Happy Thursday. This is the 3rd of September, 2020. Hard to believe we're in September. Hey, and Aaron's joining us right now. Let's get her in there. Good Hello, morning, Aaron. Hi. I literally just started. I was busy installing an update because that's always so much fun. So uh, we haven't talked about anything yet. Uh, so. so it's it's Memorial Day, not Memorial Day, Labor Day this weekend. <laughs> we can memorialize labor. Because <laughs> nobody's working. Actually, yeah. that's not true. People are still working. But, um, yeah. yeah, everybody uh, who's actually working is looking at you like, I'm working, I'm working hard. I'm working hard. Yeah, all those poor teachers so, working online. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so, so uh Labor Day weekend, it's going to be a thousand degrees outside. You know, so it's not like you mm-hmm. can go anywhere. Everything where you could, you could be indoors, like, uh, you know, bowling alleys and casinos and uh, yeah. all the air conditioned things are shut down. All they're, they're all shut down. So the yeah. beach is going to be a zoo. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near the beach. Forget and the mountains resorts probably will be as well. Like if yeah. you end up to the fair or Lake Arrowhead, it's going to be. Yeah. Although it'll still be quite warm up there. Yeah. Well, you know, you you had mentioned about a, a chocolate place, I think at Idlewild, that was like super yes. super good, and I was thinking that would be fun to go do. But yeah, I'm not sure I want to go battle the crowds. Yes, and it's called for people. It's called Bean to Bar, Bean to Bar, like chocolate bar. So yeah, which it bar. literally is from Bean to Bar, right? Yes. That's awesome. It is awesome, and they're really good. They're spendy, yeah. so you, but, but you know, with, with, with a really good piece of dark chocolate, you can only have a couple pieces and you're done, right? So it's, and that's what this is. It's so hmm. Speak delicious. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's, you know, I could eat, um, like, milk chocolate, just, mm-hmm. you know, cheap milk chocolate, just, uh, you know, you, eat a, you can eat a right. lot of it and you're not satisfied, but with, right. the, with a really high-quality chocolate... You know, you can have just a yeah. small amount. Well, and there's there's a difference between could and should. You know, well, yeah, there's <laughs> should that. be done, could be done. <laughs> yes, and I say yeah. that, and, and seize candy. If you have nuts and shoes in front of me, oh, yeah. I'm going to uh, eat a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, don't buy a pound of seize candy because you'll eat a pound of seize candy. That's the problem <laughs> with seize candy. Um, oh, they're so good. Yeah, no, it was funny uh, when we lived out of state for a short period of time. Somebody sent us a box of seize candy and. Other than the time that my brother-in-law shipped me Mexican food from a hole in the wall in San Diego that I loved, um, that was probably my second favorite gift of the whole time I was there, was, was the C's candy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's for those of us who've been around it for a long time, it's just, I mean, there's other great chocolate makers, you know, around the country, and they all sort of have their own little spin. And you think, well, how different can chocolate be? So amazingly different that it's hard to conceive and uh and sees is just it it hits my taste buds it's in my comfort zone uh more than like a whitman sampler or a even godiva chocolates i'll take c's over to godiva chocolates just because that's what i'm used to and what i like and yeah if you're a you know snooty chocolate lover you may go ugh, but hey it works for me so um i'm i'm you know getting that mexican food and i'm what i'm picturing when i think of san diego i think of roberto's um, and so if somebody were to send me Roberto's, um, that's what it was. Oh, yum. it was Roberto's. 
Yeah. I wasn't going to call him out, but yeah, Roberto's is different than Alberto's and Alberta's and, you know. And Alberto's and Roberto's yeah. and all of yeah. that. It's Roberto's in San yeah. Diego. Yeah. 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 Mondo Gudio. You know, the other place that I like, and it's a smaller chain, There's, I think there's only two of them, maybe three, is El Indio is very good. And they're famous. They theoretically invented rolled tacos is their, their oh. shtick. And they're very good. There's one, um, I think there's one in Old Town, at least there used to be, and then there's um, uh, a couple other locations. Cool. And uh, they're quite good. But, yeah, Roberto's is a little bit more widespread in San Diego, and they're a, a uh, let's hope that they're still doing well amid COVID because they do a lot of drive through business. Yeah, but, and takeout. And, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully so they're still. now I want to go to San Diego and get some solid. Roberto's. Although yeah, I'm I know. Not, <laughs> We're not, food again. Exactly. Ding, 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 ding. But, you know, I've not, I've not been there, obviously, since I became a vegan. I right. think I might just eat meat. If yeah. I, we had a chance to go down there, I might just. Yeah, their shredded lettuce isn't that that impressive over anybody else's shredded lettuce. Although exactly. I gotta say, if you dump some of their hot sauce on it, it'd be pretty yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when 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 uh, when I got my care package uh, when we were living in Pennsylvania. I um, uh, uh, you know took it out of the it was packed on dry ice and I took it out of the dry ice and put it into the freezer and then heated it up and I had there was like a couple. You know, a couple burritos and a couple tacos and a couple other things. And the tacos, because of the lettuce and stuff, didn't travel terribly well, but they were delicious anyway. And then, uh, and then there was a whole bunch of hot sauce because they're one of those places like you want hot sauce. You know, here's yeah. a bucket of hot sauce. Um, and so, uh, after the food was gone, I still had hot sauce, and and I kept it in the freezer. And then I would thaw out little. You know, and they sent it. It was in those little cups. That they, so I would take out a cup or two at a time and let them thaw out, and then I would use them to doctor up like Taco Bell or or eggs in the morning, or because yes, you know, uh, their sauce is just so much better than than like a canned or bottled sauce. And in the Pittsburgh area, at least when I lived there, the closest thing to good Mexican food was Taco Bell, and that's horrible to say, um, because the the few. Mexican restaurants just didn't didn't use the flavoring right and it wasn't that they didn't have you know like Mexican people who knew how to make it right they just couldn't sell it because the the palate of the people in that area wasn't spicy and so everything was blanded way down yeah and so it was horrible no. I mean it was like unseasoned meat and stuff and and oh, and and no. the hot sauce that was more ketchup than hot sauce and it was just yeah, it was it was horrific. It was a horrific experience. You want to go back to the chef, the cook, and say, make it for me like you would make it for you. Yeah, make it for me like you make it at home, please, please. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, I and want you know, flavor. Yeah, yeah, you know, you wanted to find, and I literally was like, you know, beating the bushes, asking people, is there a good Mexican food place around here? You know, and so I would go try them, and just no. disappointed again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. I even drove all the way to Buffalo, New York for Mexican food when we lived in Pittsburgh. Did you really? I was told there was a great Mexican restaurant in Buffalo, so I drove to Buffalo, New York to get Mexican food and was so disappointed. It was so bad. Oh. <laughs> it was Oh. You know, at that point you might as well go to New York City. Do you, I wonder I you got to think uh, that there'd be a good Mexican restaurant in New York City. There probably was, but that that's that's even further. That's a long way. Pittsburgh's way out on the west end of Pennsylvania and, oh, and Buffalo, you it's know. True. So although Buffalo but, wasn't a short drive, but um it was it's even further to drive all the way across the state of Pennsylvania. It's pretty broad. <laughs> it's it's a wide state. 
So, yeah, you know, um, you know, that was, again, we've talked about this. My, when my son was in uh, West Virginia, living about two hours south of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, he had that same complaint. It was just, you know, what do you do? It's, yeah. there's, no, there's no good Mexican food. Yeah, well, you learn to appreciate Italian food because there's a lot of good Italian food, at least in the Pittsburgh area. So that's yeah, what there I... is in there is in uh, in Clarksburg, West Virginia, as well. I, right. I didn't realize that it was so heavily settled. That area was so heavily settled by Italians. Because yeah. I think of the Italian, uh, you know, the Italians. I think of New Jersey, and New York. I don't think I of do too. Western Pennsylvania and West yeah. Virginia. Well, I think that a lot of those those immigrants spread west and apparently that's about it you know as far as they got yep apparently. <laughs> i just didn't realize you know, i just didn't know yeah, yeah. i you say know. that you know and yet there are people in chicago who say yeah they got good italian there too but then you know they got deep dish pizza instead of a flat pizza so yeah I, so the, I by the time the italians got to chicago pizza. they had they had changed their recipes <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I i like new york style pizza i like the the flat mm-hmm. chewy dough you know, yeah. the, the, you know that that you you fold the pizza and you eat it like oh my gosh I love New York style pizza yeah but and not I Chicago prefer that style. I prefer that but I, I I can appreciate a good Chicago deep dish pizza as well basically I, I for a long time said if it's on a pizza it's good it didn't matter you know? <laughs> even like, pineapple I I've even eaten Hawaiian pizza with pineapple on it yeah it's weird and, and been okay with that you know it's it's just different but it's if it sits on a pizza, it's better than not having pizza. <laughs> have you, you know? had anchovies on a pizza? I have. They're just salty. All right. You know, yeah, I've they're heard not they're salty. I've not had yeah. them. Yeah, they're all right. Yeah, you know, it's a good way to get your your DHA and EPA right. Get your your small fish. Exactly. <laughs> small oily. It's fish. healthy for you. It's healthy for you. <laughs> so exactly. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of dinging today. So um, we didn't talk about it on the on the radio show, but you know I talked about baseball because of the passing of Tom Seaver. But there were two phenomenal basketball games yesterday. Both of them settled in the last seconds. One of them was a game seven to see who was going to play the Lakers, and the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder were just going at it. They were tied two two in the series. This was a game seven. And, I mean, battling back and forth, James Harden had had a horrible game, and he's known for being a great offensive player but not playing particularly good defense. And then at the end of the game, he blocks a shot. It goes back to the guy who took the shot, who then throws the ball at James Harden because James Harden is heading out of bounds, thinking that, hey, I'll throw it to a guy who's out of bounds. And as he throws it, James Harden jumps up in the air and basically does the splits in the air, and the ball goes between his legs and doesn't touch him. So the guy throws it out of bounds, and Houston gets the ball. No way! With, like, two seconds left or less. So the the crowd must have... Oh, there's no crowd. Yeah, well, the fake crowd noise was cranked up. (laughs) Yes, so... Yes, exactly. I mean, you you must have been going bananas. Yeah, that was... I mean, what a finish. I mean, he, he blocks the shot... And then usually when somebody throws a ball at you, it's kind of hard to to get out of the way, you know, thus dodgeball, right? Um, yes. But uh, these guys are athletes, and, and James Harden basically jumps up in the air and does a splits in the air, and the ball goes between his legs <laughs> and doesn't touch him. And it was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So Houston so, won. 
So Houston wins, uh, and and they will be playing against the Lakers, um, and that will start on um, the fourth. So tomorrow, that one starts up tomorrow. Cool. And and then the other one was the second game in the second round series. The Milwaukee Bucks are the number one rated team in the East. The Lakers are number one rated or, or seated rather in the uh, in the West, but the Bucks are seated first in the East, and they are playing uh, the. Um, uh, Miami and Miami has now gone up two games to nothing against them. Now Miami oh. is the is the fifth seed, and so uh, Oklahoma City was the fifth seed in the West. So uh, Miami beat the fourth seed to get into the second round. They beat um, uh, Indianapolis, and now they're in the second round, and they've beat the number one seed twice. And again, wow. came down to the last seconds of the game. And just some heroics in shooting and defense. And it's just like, just at the, you know, basketball played at the top of the game. It's just amazing watching these athletes. And, you know, w- when you're, when you are that good, even the, the, the fifth seed team is that good that they're pushing the top seeded team to their absolute limits. And the game is decided, you know, Within seconds of the end of the game, it's like whoever gets the ball last is pretty much going to uh, to win. You think until you see some amazing defensive plays like James Harden pulled off, you know, and you just kind of go, "Wow!" So exciting stuff in basketball. Yeah, you know, and and more than anything else, I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. I pull for the Lakers to win, but more than anything else, I just want some good games. I just want to see, you know, the 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 battle of strategies between coaches and the battle of of you know, strategy and, and, and execution between good athletes. Um, I just, I, I enjoy watching that. I think there's value in watching humans compete against each other. And, uh, and it's, a, you know, in, especially in this time of, of um, social unrest and COVID, uh, we've got so much going on. It's just, it's good for people to sit down and cheer and yay and go, you know, I mean, I didn't have a team that I cared about one way or the other in the Houston OKC um, uh, battle, but just the games were phenomenal to watch, and it was fun. That sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot sounds of fun. Like fun. And I'm glad that Houston won. Not that I really care about basketball too, too much, but... Yeah, yeah well, you're a Texas much, girl. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got the Texas connection in there. To be honest, I was kind of pulling for OKC a little bit, just because I felt like, uh, you know, Chris Paul, who's their star, was on Houston, and they basically traded him I mean, it's, you know, it's NBA, you get traded all the time, but without his, you know, consent and, and knowledge or foreplanning, they just kind of like up and went, oh, we're going to switch things up. And when they traded him uh, and some picks to get the um, uh, Houston's best player. And uh, and so I was kind of happy to see him come back and say, see, you traded me away. Well, look at this, you know, and he essentially won their uh, their game six by just absolutely heroical gameplay. Um, but wasn't able to pull it off in the seventh game. So, um, but you know that just because of that storyline of them having traded him away, I was kind of pulling for him. Um, you know, he was the one. He was also supposed to be a Laker, and and the NBA blocked the trade, and so he ended Why? up going to he ended up going to the Clippers, um, because he was playing for New Orleans at the time, and New Orleans uh, ownership had uh basically abdicated ownership they declared bankruptcy and they gave up the team they lost their franchise 
And so the franchise was being managed by the NBA directly uh, for a period of time until they, you know, basically took bids to buy the franchise. And uh, and while they were doing it, the people who were there, the general manager and stuff who had been there previously and had stayed there uh, while they were trying to find new ownership, um, made a deal to trade him to the Lakers. And the NBA, being the default owner at that moment in time, the the, the NBA's um, uh, executive director stepped in and said, we don't think that's a good enough trade. We're not going to do it. We canceled it after they had already agreed, after the general manager had agreed. And so they canceled it. And then, like, a few weeks later, the Clippers made a deal where they gave them um, essentially the, the same kind of stuff. It wasn't significantly different in my opinion, but, you know, that's my opinion because I'm a Laker fan, so I'm biased. Uh, and so he ended up getting traded to the Clippers, which is where he was for quite a while before they then traded him to Houston. And now OKC. So um, you think that you, you okay, you were on politics for very long, especially local politics. You think you've he- heard everything. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a guy in Lincoln, Nebraska, who made a plea to their city council that, that I just, I can't believe he's worrying about this. Um, his his issue, he says we've been living a lie for far too long. Guess what the lie is? I don't know. Boneless chicken wings. <laughs> they're not wings, they're nuggets, I know. Yes, I pointed so, that out myself. Well, he's we going to say been, you're not allowed to call them wings. Yes, we have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control <laughs> that our children are casually throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning. Out of Andrew control. Andrew Christensen explained on Monday. Uh, <laughs> He's not wrong, no. but it's just so low on the the do we really care about this scale that. Yes. So nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wings of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling his cuts of meat. But then we go around pretending the breast of a chicken is a wing. But <laughs> what he said, but it's really all about the children um, who we should be raising better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. Um, yes, it is. The, but the reason, you know why boneless wings came about because wings were so popular. They didn't have enough chickens to slaughter to meet the demand for, yeah. you know, to, to yeah. meet the, the, the demand for the chicken wings. And so they yeah, created the, you were chicken. throwing away chicken because, because they yeah, just wanted more wings. Yeah. So um, he he proposed that the city rename boneless chicken wings as buffalo style chicken tenders, wet tenders, saucy nugs, or something. Saucy nugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what I want. I want saucy nugs. (laughs) That's perfect. Oh my gosh. Saucy nugs. That one. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, as soon as you said that one, I just couldn't hold it in. <laughs> so he is. He is. It gets better. <laughs> Christensen is now asking that wing recommendations be sent to saucy nugs for president at gmail.com. <laughs> so he knew that was the one that was going to get people's attention. <laughs> saucy nugs. <laughs> oh man. Uh, call them McNuggets, because that's what they are. We all know it. And then let McDonald's try to sue us. Yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> Everything go. Everything becomes I, I, a McNugget. 
I just think it's absolutely hysterical just because there's so many very real, very scary problems in front of us at the moment. Yeah. And this guy is worried about chicken nuggets. Yeah. I wonder how much of this is just done for entertainment value just because he knows that. Oh, I don't know. It's very. I mean, saucy nugs. Come on. Saucy nugs. Saucy saucy nugs for president at gmail.com. That's right. Send your ideas in, people. (laughs) Saucy nugs. (laughs) I figured we needed a little laughter. (laughs) So, hey, Steve Nash, former Laker and former uh, two-time MVP in the league, has been hired as head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, to my knowledge, he has zero coaching experience. Um, There may, there may be, there may be other coach. I mean. He may, I could be wrong. He, maybe he was doing some coaching. And as, he was always sort of a player coach. He's one of those kind of players. But, uh, yeah. Yep. Nash 46 comes with no coaching experience, but he has a history of leadership, basketball IQ, and playing innovation. He also brings a strong relationship with Nets star Kevin Durant, forged together doing his consultant role with the Golden State Warriors. So he was a basketball consultant while Kevin Durant played for the Golden State Warriors. Um, yeah, no doubt he was a great player. I have, you know, but that's a different skill set. Coaching and, and playing are two different skill sets. So we'll see how yeah. it goes. That's a gamble. That's that a real a gamble. gamble. That is a gamble. You know, um, and at that level, uh, that's a real big gamble. So so um, on a scary front, China is working to double the size of its nuclear arsenal. Because sure, why not? Why not? China yeah. currently has fewer nuclear warheads than France and is working hard to double that number in the next decade. The Pentagon uh, released a statement about this uh, in its estimate of, the China, of China's warheads for the first time. They believe the number's in the low 200 compared to around 300 for France and more than 3,800 active nuclear warheads for the United States. So... Um, Uh, The Pentagon uh, and analysts say that Beijing is working to expand and update its triad of missiles that can be launched from the air, land, Mm -hmm. and sea. Uh, China's nuclear forces appear to be on a trajectory to exceed the size of minimum deterrent, as described in the PLA's own writings, as a small quantity of nuclear weapons to strike enemy urban targets. Yeah, PLA being People's Liberation Army, which is what they call their army, as opposed to like the Palestinian Liberation Army, which was a thing back in the seventies. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. They're not or robbing the banks. Liberation yeah. Army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not robbing banks. <laughs> no. uh, uh, they're just so, robbing society, basically. Yes. You know. Um, yeah. You know. I mean, I guess countries can do their own thing, but I, you know, I it worries me when any country is out trying to. Um, to build up a nuclear uh, force, you know, when you have, I mean, there's a certain amount just you say, okay, we've got them and that's a deterrent. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a knowledge thing. So anybody who wants to do it can really sit down and figure it out. Then you just got to get the parts and pieces, you know? So there's no country that doesn't have, can't get the knowledge to do it, but getting the parts and pieces, getting the, the ability to refine the, um, the nuclear fissionable material is, is, there's tricks to that and and a lot of countries around the world have kind of band together and said let's not make that common for everybody to have yep. um but clearly for, for good cause it. yeah clearly i mean you know most of the big powerful countries that are first world countries that you think of i mean not all but a good number of them do have nuclear I mean, you can go you can google the list but uh 
a lot of them do. You know, there was also an article recently about the fact that China has the largest navy in the world now. They have surpassed the United States in the size of their navy. Now, that doesn't mean that they've surpassed us in capabilities or in, um, uh, you know, tech technology, but they're fast replacing old ships with new ships, and they're gaining on us quickly because they're making major investments in it. Um, Sounds you know, like a country that's gearing up yeah. for war. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that they certainly have, you know, just based on numbers, that they're going to, it's not a surprise that they have a larger navy because they've got more people. But yes. um, but they are definitely a country that wants to assert their self as the hegemon for the, at least initially, for the Western Pacific, where the U.S. is currently, well, we're, globally, we're sort of considered the the world leader in most stuff. And China is very much gearing up to say we're a world leader and and we're not going to necessarily take this, the lead of the United States um, you know we'll provide an alternative look at the future and that you know I mean essentially what that's saying is that somewhere down the line we're going to butt heads and let's hope it doesn't come to you know a, an all out war um, but you know it's something that you that you hope that your politicians and that your generals and stuff are planning for in case it happens so that they're not caught by surprise and go, what do we do now, right? Yep. I mean, like, yep. for instance, they have three aircraft carriers, and one of them is an old Soviet-era one. Um, we've got, like, 11, and ours have been updated with much newer technology than theirs. But they're building them, and one of theirs is a practically new one that has, like, a magnetic um, uh, launcher and stuff on it. So they're, you know... Uh, it's it's newer than any of ours. So, and new usually equates with updated technology, and you know, not that we can't go back and retrofit and update technology on on older ships, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's certainly something to be concerned about and be aware of. You know, they're building up nuclear stockpiles and building up navies. And they've already got an army that outnumbers us just because, again, you know, they're dealing. They've got a billion people to pick from. They do. They do. So um, moderators have been announced for the three presidential debates. It looks like there's going to be three presidential oh, debates. Yeah, that's, I was going to say the three was the news to me. I didn't know how yes, many there was exactly. going to be. So um, a Fox News anchor that uh, has been chosen as the moderator of the first debate between uh, Trump and Biden. Um, but the Trump campaign may not be thrilled about it. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced Tuesday that September 29th, uh, I guess is the first debate in Cleveland, will be moderated by Chris Wallace. Now, I have a lot of respect for Chris Wallace. He is a he is a, a traditional, just the facts man, news uh, news guy. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, a journalist, news journalist, telejournalist. Um, he was criticized by conservatives for being too hard on Trump in a recent Fox News Sunday interview. Um, but the town hall style second debate will be moderated by C-SPAN political editor. Steve Scully in Miami on October 15th, and the third debate will be moderated by NBC White House correspondent Kristen Welker in Nashville on the 22nd of October. And so, um, uh, I, you know, I said on the 15th, that was October 15th, Miami, October 22nd in Nashville. And, you know, I hope, you know, that they, that they talk about foreign policy, and it's not glib, um, you know, uh, vague answers to everything. I really want to know mm -hmm. uh, what these two want to do and what these two will accomplish and what the priorities of these two are. Um, I, and I don't want, you know, yeah. overarching generalities on everything. Yeah. Well, and I want a moderator who, if, you know, you ask them, you know, what's the color of the ceiling, they start talking about the weather. 
You know, it's like hold yeah. them to the question. If you ask them a question or if there's a topic that's supposed to be talked about, make them talk about that. Interrupt them, stop them, uh, you know, th tell them that's that's not what we asked. You know, I mean, call them on it because too often moderators just let that slide when politicians talk about whatever they want. You know, and my example obviously was ludicrous about, you know, the the color of the the sky well, versus, yeah, of course, you know of course. but we but that's an example of what they do i mean everybody's seen them do it you know they'll ask them you know what's your stance on on uh you know raising income taxes and they'll start talking about uh their opponents you know lack of of caring or something you know and it's like wait a minute wait a minute that's not what i asked you i didn't ask you about your opponent's empathy i asked you about what your position is on taxes could you answer that question please Yes. You know, and too many moderators just go, okay, next question. You know. Yes, because they like being the moderator and they feel like if they if they're too hard on the candidates, then um, then they won't be asked to be moderator again. Yeah, and, they won't you know, be invited I, back, but they'll gain the it, uh, unending admiration of, of people watching. Yes. At least in my estimation, estimation. Although, you know, there are a lot of people who are hardcore um, um, pundits for their candidate. And they would probably either love or hate that, depending on who they are and which way they felt that person was, was swaying. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yes. I'm with you, though. I think Chris Wallace, he, he's um, his, historically tried to be a good reporter, whereas a lot of the reporters have just given up completely. They're just, you know. They're, they're activists. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're editorial opinion writers who who are faces on TV. Yeah. Yes. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. So I'm going to watch those debates. I will uh, too. And, I, and I'm probably going to yell at the TV, but that's okay. <laughs> but I'm gonna, or, you know, I'm, You're I'm one of those, huh? I am. I am. <laughs> I absolutely am. So when, when Grey's Anatomy is on, do you go, oh no, and talk back to them and tell her, sometimes. no, don't do that. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> That's emotional investment. That's what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just, you know, being engaged. Yes. Yeah, I I am, um, you know, as much as I was not a fan of the the um, the conventions, I am a fan of the debates. I think I mentioned that during the conventions, that I'll pay attention to the debates. I want to hear them talk. I want to hear them explain themselves and say what they're going to say. Hey, was there anything about vice presidential debates? I think that would be interesting, too. That wasn't in this particular article, which probably means they are um, uh, still working on that. I hope that there is a bright vice presidential debate. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I would very much like to see that. Usually there's like one, right? Like if there's a couple debates amongst the presidential candidates, there's usually like one VP debate somewhere in there where each VP can go in and say, my guy's great. And your guy stinks, you know, because that's pretty much what their job is, is to attack the other other yes. parties leading, you know, their candidate, right? And and to do whatever they can to a not embarrass and b not outshine their own candidate, right? It's like you don't want to look better than the guy you're supposed to be working for, and you don't want the you don't want to embarrass them in any way by saying something silly and ridiculous. So you've got to, you know, other than that, all bets are off. So it's a weird so, job. So it's a, um, oh sorry. Well, I was just going to say, a vice president, isn't that a weird job? I mean, it's essentially like yes. you're you're a heartbeat away, literally a heartbeat away from uh, the most important job probably on the planet. And yet you officially have no job description. 
and no. the expectations are that you will shine and look great, but not better than the person you work for. And you're supposed to sort of attack the other guy. Yes. That's kind well, of what... A, they go to a lot of meetings. They are they have policy. Um, they have staff. They have policy priorities. They have, you know, they do a lot of the work um, for the president because the president can't be everywhere at once. Well, that's so, if the president wants them to. I mean, but but technically they, they don't do anything. I mean, the president could say, go sit over there, you know. And some presidents have kind of done that with their VPs. Others are like, no, no, no. I need you to be a fully engaged because I need another person to talk to who I can trust and rely on. And B, you've got to be ready to step into this job, you know, in case something happens. And so, you know, most you would hope the president would treat the vice president that way. But But I guess they don't have to. They certainly don't have to. I mean, famously, Kennedy didn't didn't uh, do much with Johnson and yet he ended up taking over. Um, you know, they didn't engage very much and didn't like each other by most accounts. No, they they were like on, they were much. on the, they were on the ticket basically because that got them Texas, you know, so they, they, right. they added Johnson to get Texas, you know, and that has happened before where, you know, you grab a vice presidential candidate because they bring with them certain voters, you know, and back in the early days of the country, whoever got the second most votes became the vice president. So very often it was from, uh, you know, as parties formed from a different party. Which is you know, interesting. Or somebody who had opposing views. So you certainly didn't necessarily engage with them a lot because, you know, they were running against you at one point. <laughs> yeah. It was a very interesting yeah. idea that kind of got tossed out. Um, I'm glad it did. Cause as parties formed. Although maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I, I it, just, it, it just seems normal that they would be in the same party and have the same agenda and be working... You know, rowing the boat the same direction. Yeah, it seems seems to me like that would be cause some uh, real discontinuous. Um, you know, if a president leaves office or or, or dies of, of one means or another, um, that then the switching of power would you know cause a real flip in the in the direction of the country. Plus, then you would have somebody essentially inside your White House who has differing opinions than you and wants to do things differently. And while you would hope that they would set that aside and work for the greater good, they could also do unethical things and and try to undermine you. So I understand the reasoning for making that change. But, yeah. It was weird, huh? That's how things change? Yes, it is. And, I, yes, it is. I, I, it'd be interesting. And now I want to go look up why and how that changed. Yeah, I don't know the details off the top of my head either. You know, it's not one. I I know it did, and parties sort of came about by, by the time Jefferson was president. I mean, so you know, it didn't take long for us to sort of coalesce around parties. But I don't remember specifically when the vice president was changed from being the person who got the second number of electoral votes to being, you know, running as a ticket. So. So. Um, Homework. Apparently, um, uh, Sarah Sanders, Huckabee Sanders, is going to, is writing a. She's written a book, and yeah. um, uh, she she talks about in her book a time when Kim Jong Un flirted with her. <laughs> so she was. Yeah, they were in a. They were in a session at the Singapore talks in 2018 between Trump and the North Korean leader where she says she was taking notes while the two men spoke. She said she looked up for a moment and saw Kim apparently wink at her, which flustered her. She went back to taking notes. Later, Sanders says while riding back to the airport with Trump and then chief of staff John Kelly, she relayed what she'd witnessed, which seemed to 
to tickle both the president and Kelly. Kim Jong-un hit on you. <laughs> yeah. Trump yeah. exclaimed. That, yes. That's funny. I, You know, it's funny because as soon as you do that, I, I imagine like, I can't remember which movie it was, but Kim Jong, you know. <laughs> Going, what's up? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, definitely like playing up his Asian accent and, and trying yes. to make, you know, and, and <laughs> that's kind of where my mind went. Uh, Do you know he's funny. a doctor? He's, he's yeah. A doctor. He's an actual MD, yeah. He is. And he is so funny. He is. Can you imagine? Well, there's a guy who will do anything for his comedy. Because, I mean, remember in, um, um, uh, what was it, that movie, The, the, Hangover, the Hangover, the the first Hangover, where he like yes. pops out of a trunk naked, <laughs> and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and starts attacking the guys, this naked he's man got, beating the snot. He's got a series people. on YouTube where he's answering questions that people uh-huh. have asked on YouTube. Medical like questions. Doctor questions, yeah. Yes, yes, and yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah, well, like a lot of comedians, he's a very smart guy. Uh, and obviously, he put that to good use in, in going to medical school. Um, it's funny that, you know, he, he he's a, a medical doctor, and yet he prefers to do the, the comedy. Oh, yeah. It might yeah. pay better. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at, at his level, Being I'm sure it does. When he started out, it couldn't have. But, you know, maybe he was he was doing stand-up and stuff in the evenings when he was a doctor and when he was in med school and stuff, um, you know. And so he kind of honed both crafts, at, at, you know, simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, he's an interesting guy and so funny. Have you ever watched uh, – the show is, is kind of awful, but but he's interesting on it is the uh, the one that I think he's a producer behind it, the uh, the Masked Singer. Oh, no, I have not – I. I, I watched about ten minutes of that once and thought it was so stupid I couldn't stand it. Yeah, he's interesting just because he makes you know he he's he's good at like off the cuff commentary. He thinks of things quickly because he's you know he's he's I mean he's a professional comedian so yeah he's a funny guy, uh, and so he's kind of entertaining that way in terms of trying to figure out who it is. The concept is kind of cool, but I think they drag it out too much. You know, and that was my thought. I mean, they could, the, the show, it, it gets dragged out and dragged out. And I, like I said, I watched 10 minutes of it and I was bored. Yeah. I would rather so. see it be a, everything's all done in one night, 90 minute special that you see once every three months than, than a series that comes on every week as they slowly like, um, you know, work their way. Yes. Did you just get a text? No. Um, something I said sounded enough like, hey, Shlomo that my iPad then went into uh, listening mode. And so everything I was saying was being written out on my screen in front of me on my iPad. And I had to like, <laughs> oh, that's wild. And so, so I was carefully trying to find the button to say, stop listening to me. I did not call you Shlomo. And I say Shlomo cause I don't want to set it off again. Um, that happens, you know, it's, I mean, like if people have the um, uh, Amazon echoes, you know, every once in a while you'll be sitting there and it'll go, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Or, you know, uh, I don't know where the, you know, the salt is or something, you know, this weird things because it'll just, something you said activated it or it sounded enough like what it thought was supposed to mean it was activated. And then it doesn't understand what you're saying because it comes in mid conversation and goes like, I don't know, that's confusing me, <laughs> you know? So, um, real quickly here at the end, there have been, um, some bodies that have, uh, uh, washed up t- up on the beaches in Orange County in Laguna in Huntington Beach, um, oh. and these are swimmers that have drowned. Um, oh my And gosh. so I'm I'm guessing that uh, either that you know there's there's still there's this is in the Orange County Register, um, uh, but 
you know, as people are going to be heading to the beach, watch out for those those currents because they watch can't out for those you bodies. Far out there. For those yeah. bodies, yeah. But if you're yeah, not, if you're not if, swimming, well, you know what? Yeah, if you're not a strong swimmer, then don't go out where you can't stand. You know, I mean, yeah. just just period. Don't go beyond where you can stand up if you're not a strong swimmer. That's just, I mean, it's it, there, there's no magic to it. You won't magically suddenly learn how to swim because you have to. Um, you're putting your life at risk. You know, you're supposed to be at the beach having a good time. Don't go into water that's above your head that you cannot stand up in. And I, they always say above your head. I would say don't go above your shoulders because you want your head above the water. You know, I can have water that's not above my head, but it's at my eyebrows and I can't breathe. I guess I could jump yeah. up and down. Um, you, know. you mean you can't breathe from your eyebrows? Uh, it's strangely enough, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it, there, there's this, this hole slightly there below, you know, a pair of them like down about, I don't know inch and a half yes. two inches uh, well, and the lifeguards it's physically impossible to, to to see absolutely everything all at once they yeah. work really hard they're really good at scanning the water they pull a lot of people in but they can't see everyone yeah. don't have even in a pool don't have the false idea that your uh that a lifeguard is going to watch your children in the water for you yeah. um it means you know uh, they 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 will they they will look for everything they could possibly see. But if your child is shorter than the people who are standing shoulder to shoulder uh, in a crowded pool, then they're not going to be able to see that person, your child. You are responsible for your children. You are responsible for yourselves. Absolutely. Take some responsibility and don't let your child become the body found at exactly. the beach because that's just horrible. And I feel for the families of those I do too. people because I do too. it was so preventable. Yep. So with that, we are at the end of our podcast for today. We are. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Todd Brinker. And I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.